Welcome to the Garden of Belonging, a podcast exploring the things that help us belong to ourselves and the things that get in our way. I'm your host, Kim K. Gray, a life coach for good girls and people pleasers, dedicated to helping them know, trust, and courageously share their voices. In this podcast, we will explore topics such as self-knowledge, self-trust, self-acceptance, and self-expression. The world needs our unique gifts. It's time we connect with our inner voice and show up fully as ourselves. Today, my guest on the Garden of Belonging podcast is Rachel Stravelli. Rachel is a writer, celebrant of life, and spiritual coach. She believes that when we pause to look at ourselves with self-love and self-acceptance, our energy, our happiness, and our lives expand. She teaches men and women to cultivate self-love and manifest their desires by tuning into the natural world. She has been featured on sites like Thrive Global, Tiny Buddha, Scary Mommy, and Positively Positive. She shares her writing and videos at soulpioneer.com. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for being here. Hi. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you would just start by uh, introducing yourself. Tell us who you are and what you're passionate about. Awesome. Thank you, Kim. Well, I'm passionate about many things, but I won't go there to all the (laughs) things today. (laughs) So I am Rachel Stravelli. I'm an In Her Wisdom teacher. So I'm deeply connected to nature and Mother Earth. I'm a scientist and an organic gardener, um, but I'm also have been involved in personal development and connecting with my intuition since I was little pretty much and so um, I work with people to connect to their own inner wisdom and also listen to the wisdom of Mother Earth and sometimes that's both happening together and sometimes it's each happening separately Um, and then yeah all the fun things that emerge out of that. Awesome. I love that. What a beautiful blend of all your gifts. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So this th- series is all about self-trust. So what is self, what does self-trust mean to you and how has it affected your life? Yes. What a wonderful question. So I, when I knew that Kim was doing this series, I said, hooray, because I thought <laughs> what a wonderful topic for us all to be thinking about. Um, and hearing about how other people have related to this. And I think it's one of the most important um, practices or emotions that we could delve into Mm. uh, because I believe that we each have value and we each have power and authority and a lot of of the challenges and joys in life come from making the decision, am I going to listen to what I feel that I need to listen to or what other people are telling me what to do? And so, and we don't know (laughs) when we're doing it, like, which one should we choose? And so there is so much trust involved in making a choice. And, and so I, I believe self-trust is, um, is part of the practice of being a whole human being. Uh, walking forward and trusting yourself with the knowledge that you can make a choice that's positive for your life and moving forward. And if you don't like the results of that, the trusting that that was what you needed to make to get more information for the next step. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of like a resiliency and learning. I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So was there a time in your life when you didn't trust yourself? And what was that like? Mm. Um, well, I would say I usually trust myself. I'm not always instantly, mm -hmm. um, but I always come back around to that. Uh, when it becomes the most difficult is when other people don't approve or agree with, or it makes life difficult for others, um, whether or not I trust myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I definitely feel like a lot of my life I have been practicing it, but there have been painful periods when I didn't. Years ago, many years ago, there was a guy I was dating and every night I would wake up in the middle of the night and think, I have to break up with him. And, and, and then the next day would go by and I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to break up with him. <laughs> and, uh, and I wouldn't. And, it, and this went on for weeks. And he wasn't like a terrible character, but he wasn't a great fit. But in terms of convenience for my life, and I'm not saying I was with him just because it was convenient, but where I lived, he was the only person that I knew and I was working on a farm. I wasn't going to meet anyone else at work because it was me and the farmer and the vegetables. That mm. was it. And we lived in a tiny town in New Hampshire. So, um, and, and, and that instance, probably you could say I didn't choose because eventually he broke up with me and then I was like, well, <laughs> I was telling myself to do for months and just kept on ignoring. Um, so that, that was a big instance of it. And then recently my husband and I were house hunting and, um, and I kept on getting quiet and trying to find the, the intuition to give me guidance on what was the next best step. Like, do we make an offer on this house or do we not? In the area that we live in, things would move off the market often before we could even see them. And so decisions had to be made quickly. And, um, and that involved a lot of self-trust because there were multiple times when, several times when we had an offer on the house and then we had to pull out of the offer because as I sat with myself and listened and got a night's sleep and and listened, I thought, that, that's not the house for us. That doesn't meet what we said are our values or our criteria, but it would mean a loss of money, whatever money mm -hmm. we'd put, I forget which one, if it's earnest money or due diligence, um, a loss of time when we could have been looking and ec people's expectations. Um, so that was a, my most recent uncomfortable experiences of listening and trusting myself and that the choices that I was making were the choices that uh, felt right for my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an important distinction there that there are times when trusting ourselves means difficulty for other people, right? Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, that's some of the hardest times to stick with it because it's not going to be easy. <laughs> yes. I agree. <laughs> and, and even, I mean, my business that I'm doing before this, I was an organic gardening coach. That's very, it's easy for people to hear that and be like, oh, okay, I understand that. Mm -hmm. And, and I have the expertise for that. And it's like, it checks all the boxes. It's a linear logical choice. 
So then for me to move into a choice that doesn't seem linear or logical, there are many people in my life who are like, I don't get what you're doing. <laughs> and also for a period of time, it's like, I'm not as successful as I was. So then there's even my own self-doubt of like, okay, <laughs> why did I stop what was working to some degree and go in a whole different direction? Um, but I listened to my intuition a lot and it was telling me, this is too narrow for you. And literally, this goes back to when you're asking, do I ever not listen or do I ever not do it? Uh, sometimes it takes me a while. So that, mm -hmm. there was probably a year and a half when I knew that I needed to make a different choice and I wasn't ready to make it um, because I didn't, I, it's not always fun or easy to not know the next step, to only have the first step in mind and think I just need to take this first step and trust that it's gonna work out. Um, and also, not that we have to answer to other people, but other people come with questions. Well, why are you doing it this way? And why are this? And, and they wanna have an answer and it's like, well, people aren't used to hearing someone say, oh, I'm just going with my two intuition you got to trust me on this <laughs> yeah yeah I think that that's something really challenging in our current culture mm -hmm. that um you know sort of taking the first step and just trusting that's just not the way that we're taught we're taught to sort of have everything planned out yes. and just perfect yes and I and I think too like I don't even uh, oftentimes tell people, I don't know all the steps. I sometimes tell people that. Uh, and I say, look, I'm just going on what my intuition says to do. I'm trusting that this is right. I know this is the path. Um, it, depending on who I'm talking to, usually that's not what I say mm -hmm. because I don't want to then have them make me doubt my trust in myself. And yeah, like you say, culturally, it's not, it's not, we're not accustomed to hearing people sharing that vulnerability yeah. and, un, and like dabbling in the unknown and not yeah. knowing what you're doing. Yeah. But I think in some ways that there's a lot of us who are, have the doubts, but are trusting despite the mm -hmm. doubts and we just don't share them because of that yes. kind of culture. Mm -hmm. around us. Yeah. So I know. Go ahead. So I'll just say this just relates to my next question, which is around um, the idea of experts. Mm. So how do you balance the voices of the experts out there, either true experts or quote unquote experts um, right. with, with your inner voice and your intuition? Yes. So I, if you ask me this a year from now, I'll probably have a different answer just to let you know, because I am currently in a, in a, process where I'm understanding that this might be changing for me. Mm. But thus far, my method is maybe a little bit extreme. I typically don't listen to the experts at all. And I don't want to hear what they have to say. And I don't, not that I don't want to, but I find that if I'm going to listen to my intuition, then I have to shut out and, and not hear or see what other people are doing expert or not expert um and it's kind of like a stay in my own lane focus on what i'm supposed to be doing because i know uh for me 
it can be very easy if I'm in a state where I'm doing something new and there's a, there's a little bit of self-doubt. And so I'm trying to keep on moving forward with the trust and the action to not get pulled off or swayed by other people, what they're doing. Oh, well, that looks really successful. Maybe I should just go do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if I don't even pay attention to that, then I can't get teased with the idea that, oh, I should do it that way. Um, I mean, for example, right now, there are so many people in the business world who they're on Instagram and it's like, if I'm on a radio or a podcast or looking online, IG this, IG that, Instagram this, and it's great. Like it's an awesome platform, but I'm choosing not to be on it right now because there's only so much time in my life. I have small children. I'm on Facebook and YouTube. I feel like that's enough. Mm -hmm. And yet every so often I'm like, oh, but I know there's a lot of people there and I, you know, could be there. But then I just remind myself, like, I know for what I need for me and I know the sense of balance that I need and the sense of energy output. And I don't want to put out more energy than I have to. And I think I really, and, and I guess this goes back to what I work with people too. We're also unique in our own needs and dreams and desires. Yeah, there are patterns and commonalities, but like the, the best way to, to honor and bring forth our own expression is to really know ourselves well. And, and, and so we each have to choose, do we, uh, what level do we listen to experts or not? And, and so like the ones that I do read or listen to, for me, I often find it has to be someone who's in a different field than I am, or it, it seems different enough that I can learn from it and be inspired from it, or it's exactly what I want to be learning about right then, but not exactly what I'm trying to do, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so I will be, I will learn from experts. I mean, gosh, I love learning from everybody, really. I mean, I can learn from somebody at the grocery store that I'm talking to or my kids, uh, mother nature. I mean, she, I think she's like the wisest expert of all. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think it, it's like with a lot of things, it's a dance. It's like, well, the experts might lead, but sometimes we need to lead too. And so playing around with what is a good balance and what is a good mix. And I definitely know um, there are a lot of people who have spent too long only listening to what others say and giving all their power away. And, and I, when I work with people like that, I'll say, well, let's have an experiment. Let's spend a week where you don't ask anyone for their advice or listen to any experts. And, and that can be incredible, incredibly uncomfortable, but sometimes it's like, okay, well, let's have a radical reset. Um, and, and maybe it's just something that your average person, or not average, but that people want to be aware of. Like maybe you think, okay, I haven't given all my power away. I don't listen to too many experts, but maybe I'm just going to start observing how much is useful and how much is overload. Um, cause I mean, either one of us, we could spend all our time just being scholars of the experts and, and that has its place. But if that's not what our role is or what we feel our calling is, then we can spend a lot of time in that mode when that's not all there is to do. Yeah. I think it's easy 
to think that there's like a right answer, mm. <laughs> you know, and so you're going out and you're learning from all these experts, but in reality, there can be a lot of paths, mm. right? And being mm. able to look at those Definitely. and, you know, like you're saying, be able to learn from this one and then, you know, take pieces over here. I also like what you were saying about, um, it's almost like you're, you're intentional about not putting too much on the people who are, you could compare yourself to, mm. right? Like you're, you're, you're reaching to other professions or other fields because then like, well, I can't compare myself to them, but I can be inspired by them. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting to look at your reactions, right? I mean, you kind of alluded to this where like, okay, I'm learning from this person and how does that make me feel? Does that make me feel inspired or does that make me feel self-doubt? Because if it makes me feel self-doubt, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if I'm feeling inspired and I'm learning, then, you know, what's the harm in that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some experts who, <laughs> when I read them or listen to their work, it it's like it activates the part of me who thinks I have to go all the time and mm. I am really working on having a um, structure in the way that I work and that I live that honors the cycles of the natural world but also like my humanity you're hum you know we're humans we need to rest and I and I've noticed recently like there's a few people if I read their work too animated and then I realize oh I can't read that person unless I notice I'm in a lull and I want to reinvigorate but if I'm already good it's like it over it, it, it makes me question how I'm doing and just instantly think okay I got to do more but that I don't want to buy into that um, and also I guess to go along with experts I think it's something to think about too of like over the past number of years, I've tried to be really conscious. Are the experts I'm listening to working towards the same future that I am? Like what paradigm are they in? Mm. And do all my experts look the same? Because if they do, then that is not progress. Or are they all saying the same thing? Um, because it's, <laughs> you know, especially in our nation and the Western world, it's like there have been a history of experts being a very certain race and gender and economic status and all this. And it's like, that's gotten us to a point. And yet, like, what about all the other experts? And um, so I think there are many ways to look at how are we relating to the experts and what are we taking in and, and treating as this is a valuable thing. Because like I kind of said before, it's like we could interact with kids or with peer or with somebody else who doesn't have expert status. And those people might have more wisdom to teach us than the people who are on the cover of Forbes or Hay House best published authors or whatever. <laughs> Although Hay House does have a lot of good authors, but you know, it doesn't, the wisest people aren't always the ones that you need at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So this is also related to my next question, which is around um, science and research. And you're a scientist, mm, <laughs> right? Yeah. I love um, it. <laughs> and we, we talked a little bit about this earlier, about this idea of science and research in the right way. Mm. And so how does self-trust fit in with all that? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. 
Well, I mean, in physics, uh, what is it called? The, there's the observer effect. And so mm. me observing an experiment impacts that experiment. You observing it impacts it. And so when we are present in the science, that impacts it. Um, so that's one thing. I don't know if I can fit that in with everything else I'm going to say. <laughs> but um, I think, I guess maybe where I'm going to go with this is that trusting that what we're bringing to the experience that if we can bring self-acceptance and self-trust and self-love um, to an experience that that's really important and that when because we we also we're living in this interesting time of like there are a lot of people who don't want who want to pretend that science doesn't matter and that we don't have to listen to facts and things like that. And then, and yet there's also this tension of, well, we need value for emotions and for, you know, people honoring their own power and insight and wisdom. And, and sometimes I think it just might depend on the situation, which, where you need to go for the knowledge and what you're going to use to make your determination. Um, and in some of my hardest decisions that I have to make, or sometimes if I think, oh, I don't know what the science says about this, then I, I go to my intuition mm -hmm. to, to help me decide. Um, and, and I also think, I mean, the exciting thing about science is it's constantly, the, the field continues. Like we, we know things now that we didn't know five years ago, 20 years ago. And, and so that is super exciting. And the things that we know about the mind and all of that is, I mean, there's probably, it's relatively untouched if you think about it compared mm -hmm. to what I think we're going to discover as we go forward. And, um, and, and, and I think it's also, it's a dance between we have to live in a world with a lot of other people and sometimes maybe we don't always trust ourselves or sometimes we trust ourselves but um make a choice that doesn't uh doesn't fit with the science or maybe it does fit with the science i mean i the funny thing to me when i was in the sciences it's so head-based and logical which is amazing mm -hmm. but there's there's sometimes things that are lost and i <laughs> i mean i found that I, the way I interact with the world isn't always the same way your hardcore scientists interact with the world. Um, and yet I've met people who say, oh, the more you study science, the more you believe in like that there was a creator behind all of this and mm. you just get amazed and astonished by and in awe with the wonder of the world. And that's how I feel. I felt even before I went into science. Um, you know, I mean, like Einstein, like some of the greatest scientists have such a deep reverence and spirituality for uh, and awe for the creation that we live with. And I think science is one way that we're trying to explain it. It's not the only way. Mm. Um, and, I, and I also think like, oh gosh, since um, the time of Galileo, it's like science and culture have, and religion have been at odds they're coming back together again in some ways now, but some, there have been a little bit of 
compartmentalize and silos of this is science and this is this and this is that. Um, but as we all know, the reality of life is <laughs> there aren't that many things we can just keep in one little compartment and one little box and it stays that way. Right. Yeah. So I titled this series um, Radical Self-Trust. Mm. And when I think about radical self-trust, I think about um, going against the grain. Mm. So is there a time when you went against the grain and trusted your instinct with positive results? And how do you handle the mm. naysayers? <laughs> yeah. I'm still working on that. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I've had times of coming in and out of being radical self-trust. I mean, I used to, and this is maybe gonna sound so silly, but when I taught high school, I didn't shave my legs and every other woman at the school did. And the kids would talk about it in my class, the high school kids, and they'd ask me questions and why don't you shave your legs? And I wasn't necessarily doing it as a radical thing but mm -hmm. I was like it's my body and I get to do what I want with it and I don't have to live by other people's rules for my body and then I would joke with the students I'd say what if I just shaved stripes like <laughs> stripes in my legs would that be like when does it when am this is acceptable or when am I gonna maybe I should ramp up the amount that we're talking about it I mean the office secretaries were talking about it apparently <laughs> that's what the students would tell me <laughs> or maybe even one day I was in there and they're like so-and-so told me and I'm like wow like small town drama huh <laughs> and you know it's funny because like I didn't start shaving my legs because they wanted me to and I didn't wear pants because they wanted me to not that they wanted me to no one was ever like you need to wear pants right but I I mean I was like this is who I am yeah. and I'm gonna be this way because I get to choose and I don't have to live by norms and I don't know if that works with a if this really fits into the self-trust um, but I definitely had people talking about me, making fun of me, whatever. And some of the time I just leaned into it and was like, I'm going to laugh about it too. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and it sometimes, not in every instance, but it's like, if you choose to not let what people are saying hurt you it can't hurt you know mm -hmm. like it, I didn't find it offensive that they were talking about it I actually saw well we can open up this dialogue mm -hmm. and and be wondering why why is this such a freaky crazy thing that I'm doing this one thing and actually right. wasn't even doing it for all they knew it was laziness because sometimes <laughs> I'm like why should I have to do this all the time? Right. I can just not shave them. And that's time in my life I could spend doing other things. And, um, and so, you know, and that's a little thing. And I mean, lately, some of the things that I'm sharing about in social media or writing about are bigger things. Like I'm trying to find a way to share things that I've learned about, um, you know, racism or dismantling that or oppressive systems and and th to me that feels more high stakes because I think there are many more people who could be upset by what I'm saying I could offend people who I'm actually trying to 
not offend, who I'm trying to make a case for like, hey, can I bring this thing up? And then they're like, but I don't like how you said that. And I'm like, I'm still learning how to say these things in a way that, which is respectful and impactful. Um, and, and I, so I, I'm still learning how do I want to work with this, but I have for most of my life been embracing the fact that I'm an educator and that's how I want to, I want to work with people on that. I want people to see new perspectives or new potential, um, from interacting with me and us interacting together. And so I'm just maintaining a commitment that even if someone comes at me with negative antagonistic comments, which I have had some of lately, I'm working on staying centered to not come back at them like tit for tat. I'm going to yeah. get all angry with you and get into a big argument and just try to just connect with that person and relate to that person. If possible, if they don't want to relate, then that's fine. And if it's negative, just for this sense of negative and criticism, then that's one thing. But um, I think some of the things that we're dealing with in our times, they're gonna ruffle people's feathers. I mean, I get ruffled by random things in my home when my husband suggests we do something a different way and usually my first response is no <laughs> and then 20 minutes later I might be like well okay <laughs> and and so I think a lot of us are as we're being who we are we're gonna butt up against other people who they're having the no response and we just have to recognize that it's not about us if they're not okay with how we are mm -hmm. but yeah, I think it's also important to then to take time periodically to be self-reflexive mm. because some people that I have talked with say or th their concern is if you spend so much time or energy empowering yourself and listening to your own wisdom when does that become narcissism mm -hmm. and I don't believe that you can get to narcissism on that path or at least the people I know, that's not the way they go because they want to have a reflexive relationship, understanding, okay, how, how can I come to this with an open heart and how can I grow? And that's not where a narcissist comes from with their attitude or opinions. Um, but I, I think, I guess, kind of to sum up, I think self-trust doesn't always mean that you always feel the same way or that you always think the same way or that you can trust yourself, but that you're going to change. And so sometimes that means you're changing how you interact with other people. You're changing how you interact with yourself or your beliefs about something or your awareness. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you weren't yourself before but just trusting yourself as you go through um all the amazing and crazy and wild things that come up in life mm -hmm. yeah so what do you think has been most supportive for you to stay connected with your self-trust mm, good question mm. well i a few things. So I always like to make sure that I have time out 
in nature in whatever way that I can interact with nature. Because sometimes I've lived in a big city, oops, sorry, and there's not as many opportunities for me to go sit out in a quiet forest or garden. Um, but interacting with nature and, and having that communion and that experience is really helpful. And then also, I come at it with a playfulness and that it's a game in a way, maybe not a game, but I like to observe and experiment and see how things happen. So there are times when, when my intuition will tell me something and I will decide, well, let's just see what happens if I don't do that. Mm -hmm, <laughs> just for yeah. fun. And, you, and I won't do that when it's a high risk or what to me feels like a high risk scenario. Like when we were house hunting, I was not like, let's for fun, just put it off. <laughs> right. <laughs> but my intuition will give me little nudges and, and sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'll listen to that. And some days I'm like, nah, don't feel like listening to that. And then it's like, my intuition told me not to go to this place. Oh, I show up and they're closed on Mondays. And I'm just like, mm. should have listened. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, now I'm reminded again. My intuition was leading me right, and I wasn't listening because I wanted it my way. <laughs> um, and so I, I really feel like, at least in my experience, that's one way of almost like recalibrating or retuning into, am I listening to my inner voice and my inner wisdom? And, and that lets me kind of play around with and see, okay, here's what happens when I do, because... And, and that's why I like to do it in the low risk, low stakes scenarios, because when it's a high risk or high stakes scenario, I want to make sure that I'm making a choice that feels like true to me. Yeah. And like you said before, it's like, if there's other people, it might just be disappointing, then that can be really hard. And I've definitely had experiences where I was making people around me very unhappy and it would have been much easier to say fine let's do it your way I'll do whatever you want and and you know on the on the outside perception it would have been easy to say that but it's like inside I would have known all along I'm living a lie or this mm -hmm. is not how I feel that it, I need to be showing up or I can't ignore this injustice or whatever that if I go along with that this will make me ignore um I mean Speaking of, uh, I'm a radical uh, boycotter of Amazon, and I talk mm. to lots of people about it. And I have had many people who are like, N "That is not a popular opinion with them." And and I, it's not like I go pull people aside and preach to them about this. Right. Thing. <laughs> um, I'm very, I'm not like projecting it to the world. Although occasionally I think about doing that, um, but it's like I just decide I'm going to keep on doing this and it's okay if people don't believe me but I for my own standards I have to keep on being true to me so that I can wake up every morning and feel like yes that's a choice that I'm proud to stand behind and a thing that I'm happy with doing and and so for me trusting is um also yeah like it's easier to be trusting myself when I'm aware of my values and living to my values and treating those around me well, um, you know, I feel like that's a part of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think values are really important and helps you reconnect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for taking the time to speak with me and to share your wisdom. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me, Kim. This was a delight. Thank you for joining me in the Garden of Belonging. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any others. And if you leave a review, it really helps it reach and support more people. If you'd like to explore these topics more deeply, join me in the Garden of Belonging community. There's a link in the show notes for more information about that. Until next time, take care of you. Music in this episode by Dan O. Songs.